Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses and network churches. We are honored, pumped, overjoyed that you've decided to come and worship here with us today. I've been praying, honestly, for all of our campuses and network churches today and this whole week that God would just move in our lives in a powerful powerful way. Well, today we're starting up a brand new series called Movies from the 80s. And to let you in on a side note, it actually was going to start as, as the name Lessons from the 80s, but we decided that would be too much awesomeness trying to sum up an entire decade into one series. But truly, how amazing were the 80s? How awesome were the 80s? Okay, nobody liked the 80s. 80s had slap bracelets, they had sweet jackets, Michael Jackson, mixtapes, Rubik's Cubes, Oregon Trail and people dying of dysentery is what the 80s had. Uh, one thing that didn't, the 80s didn't have, uh, unlike millennials, what they experienced uh, in the 80s, we did not give out participation trophies. So that's one thing we did not have in the 80s. Actually, technically, I think I am a millennial myself, and I have a closet full of participation trophies. Anyways, uh, again, though, we, we just thought it'd be too much to cover everything, and so we decided uh, to call it Movies from the 80s, and to kick off this series, week one, uh, we are looking at the greatest 80s movie of all time, Back to the Future. I can remember, I can remember with my parents seeing Back to the Future for the very first time, and I was like, Jesus, you can take me now because my life is complete. Yeah, but anyways, to kick off our series, though, here's a quick clip uh, from Back to the Future. Fantastic, right? That makes me want to skip church, swing by Blockbuster video, and go home and put the VHS tape in. No, uh, well, if you somehow have lived under a rock and you haven't seen Back to the Future, the quick summary, it is about a movie about a 17-year-old kid named Marty McFly from California, and he ends up becoming friends with a guy named Doc Brown, and Doc Brown ends up curating the time machine uh, that, that Marty is accidentally put in, and he ends up going back to 1955. A random question I always wonder when it comes to Back to the Future is it strange that a 17-year-old kid is hanging out with this old shady doctor? Is that a little weird? Anyways, though, Marty gets in this time machine. He's accidentally sent back to 1955, and the remainder of the movie, he's trying to make sure, this is Back to the Future Part 1, by the way, the rest of the movie, he's trying to make sure that his mom and dad fall in love again so that he is born, and also the rest of the movie, he is trying to go back to the future. He is trying to go back to 1985. And so that's the quick summary, but I personally like this movie. 
movie for a couple different reasons. First off, I love old stuff, old stuff, any kind of old stuff. Whether it's typewriters, old cars, old houses, I wish that I could have lived back in 1955. So there's that. But also, I also like this movie for the main reason is that in this movie, Marty is able to go back into the past and he's able to change some things. Through this time machine, he's able to go back into this pa- in the past and he's able to make some changes that end up altering his parents' life and his own life as well. Again, he's able to go back and change some things so that the future is in fact different. And with this today, I just want to start by asking a question for all of us at all of our campuses. In your own life and in your own past, is there anything that you wish you could go back and change? Again, the question I want us to start off with today is that if you could go back, if you get into a time machine, is there anything that you would go back and alter? Is there anything that you just wish, big or small, that you just wish you could go back and change? Because I know for myself, there are a bunch of different things that I wish I could go back and alter. In my own past, there are some things that I only wish I could change. From poor decisions and mistakes to things I regret saying and doing, everything from my dating life and college, things in my private life years ago, even things from last week, even from last week that I wish so badly I could change. But what is it for you? That's for me. What is it for you? What's in your past? Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was a few months ago. Maybe it was last week. What is it for you that you so badly wish you could get into a time machine and go back and change. You see, unfortunately for us, unlike Marty McFly, we do not have a time machine. We do not have a time machine. We don't have a DeLorean with a flux capacitor that we can go back and change. But you see, thankfully, even better, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. And Jesus, he doesn't go back and change our past. He doesn't go back and alter our past. Instead, he does something completely different with it. Again, even better than a time machine, we have Jesus. And to find out more today, I want to have us open up our Bibles right now to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 at all campuses. Just want to encourage us, open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Uh, If you have your Bible, open it up. If you don't have your Bible, I want to encourage you every week to start bringing your Bibles. Ladies, put it in your purse. Fellas, use your merch. Just take advantage of that thing, okay? Just tuck, tuck your old Bible in there. Use the Bible on your phone. Download the Bible on your phone if you don't have it already. But again, open it up to Luke chapter 7. And just to bring us up to speed on some things, Jesus has assembled his disciples, and he's been traveling and teaching and healing people. He's also most recently given a sermon on the mount. And this brings us up to Luke chapter 7. And starting in verse 36, here is what we are told. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. Quick push pause here for a second. At this time as Jews, there were many rules and regulations and guidelines around eating. Eating was a big deal. And if you wanted to remain clean, if you wanted to remain right with God, you should do these things and you shouldn't do these things. And so it's a big, big deal. Eating is a huge thing in Jewish culture. So again, Jesus is invited by this Pharisee. Continuing on in verse 37, it says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Again, quick pause. This immoral woman, it can also translate as sinner. At this time, this word, it doesn't just mean she had sin in her life. Instead, what it means is that she was publicly known for her sin. 
Again, she's not just a sinner like all of us are sinners. Instead, she was publicly known. She was known in her village and in her town as a clear, blatant sinner. It's also believed this word was used to describe a prostitute. She was a prostitute, publicly known for being a prostitute. And at this time, according to Old Testament law, as Jews, they would have seen her as someone who deserved to die. In their eyes, they would have seen her as somebody who deserved death because of who she is and what she does. Continuing on, this certain immoral woman shows up, and it continues on in verse 38 and says, Then she knelt behind him, Jesus, at his feet weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is is touching him. She is a sinner. Again, quick pause. Everybody knew what you should do, what you shouldn't do around eating. Jesus was clearly breaking all of it. Why? Because he wasn't speaking up. Here's this woman who should not be around this dinner table. Here's this woman who should not be there, a publicly known sinner. And yet here is Jesus, and instead of saying something, she, he's allowing her to touch him. Jesus is allowing her to be near him. He's allowing her to get close to him again when she, he should be saying, woman, you have to stay away. Instead, he says nothing at all and allows her to come close. This is as taboo as it can get. Continue on in verse 40. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, his thoughts. And he said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Skipping to verse 47, he says, I tell you, Jesus says this, I tell you her sins and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Powerful story, right? Truly amazing. Again, though, today we're focusing on our past. And as we've said a couple of times, unlike back to the future and having a time machine, Jesus doesn't go back and change our past. Instead, he does something completely different with it. Again, Jesus doesn't change our past. Instead, he does something completely different. And so for the rest of our time for today, we're just going to look at three different truths. We're going to look at three different promises, three different things that we can hold on to from this story when it comes to Jesus and our past. And the first truth is this. Jesus, he doesn't change our past. Instead, he's drawn to it. Again, when it comes to our past, our brokenness, our sin, Jesus doesn't change our past. Instead, he is drawn to it. Just looking at the lady in our story, Jesus knows everything about her. He knows the depths of her sin better than anyone else. He knows her past. He knows her story. And even though Jesus is at the house of this religious person, this person who appears to be so godly and holy and good and wonderful, who is Jesus drawn to? Not the religious Pharisee. Instead, he is drawn to the woman. He's drawn, drawn to the prostitute. He's, he's drawn to her. And Jesus, he's just so kind with her. He's so kind with her. And he allows her to come close to him. And he allows her to touch him. And he allows her to be near him, which is the complete opposite of the way that this Pharisee sees her. 
Again, Jesus allows her to come close where the Pharisee, he looks down at her with disgust. He looks at her past in complete disgust and arrogance. And I just got to ask, have you ever met someone like the Pharisee? Have you ever met, 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 met someone like, like, like the Pharisee? I mean, have you ever met a super religious person who looked nothing like Jesus? Ever met a super religious person that looked nothing like Jesus? And maybe I'm talking to some of us here in this room across our campuses. Maybe I'm talking to some of us. We begin to look at our own selves and we see a critical heart within us. We look at our own self and we see a judgmental attitude within us. We, we start looking at our own self and we start seeing arrogance and pride within us. Again, maybe I'm speaking to some of us, but it, it's just that person who appears to be so godly and they, they know all the right answers and they're so deep and they want to go deep and, and they want more theology and they want more substance. And yet when it comes to their words, their actions, their attitudes and their lives, they look nothing like Jesus. Ever met someone like that? Again, they're the Christian in the office place that is quick to fly the Jesus flag, and yet they're just as quick to criticize everyone in their lives. They're the Christian in the family who's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Did you know, you know that they never miss church because they broadcast it, and yet their heart looks nothing like the heart of Jesus. Again, have you ever met someone like that? They want all the deep and the meat and all the stuff and all the, they jump through so many hoops, and yet their life looks nothing like Jesus. Just looking at the story, when it comes to this lady's past and also our own past, our own past as well, so often the religious are appalled by our past when Jesus is drawn to it. And so often when it comes to our brokenness, our pain, our garbage, our sin, our mistakes, our regrets, the religious, they keep a distance when Jesus gets close. They get close. And the religious, they love to condemn. Jesus loves to forgive. And the religious, they love to point fingers, and Jesus loves to point to a cross. And the religious, they love to look at the letter of the law, just trying to figure out just how wrong this person is, trying to figure out just how sinful they are, how how broken they are, where Jesus, he loves to look at an empty tomb and his great unending love for us. Is anyone thankful for Jesus? Anyone thankful for Jesus? This week it was like, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Again, the religious, they love to condemn. They love to point fingers. Jesus loves to forgive. He points to the cross, the cross, the empty tomb, and the cross again. This week I read a quote about this story in a critical commentary. It's basically a large book that's fairly boring that just tells you more about the verse. And it said this, it said said, the Pharisee assumes that a prophet, if Jesus was one, would keep a respectable distance from a notorious sinner. And hear this, the underlying scandal of Jesus' behavior, not the woman, the underlying scandal of Jesus' behavior is that he is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And I don't know about you, but I honestly, I pray. This week I was just thinking about it. I honestly pray that people could say the same exact thing about Embrace. I pray that'd be true about us. I pray that'd be true about the network churches. I pray that'd be true about us. It's like, have you heard about who attends that church? Have you heard about them? Have you heard about him? I mean, have you heard about her? Who hasn't slept with her? And now she's on Facebook inviting people to church. Are you kidding me? Have you heard about her? And have you heard about him? Honey, have you heard about him? Honey, have you heard about him? He's the one on the news. He's the one on the front page of the newspaper. Have you heard about him? And have you heard about their pastor? He's broken and imperfect. And I heard back in high school, he used to make fun of Christians. And now he's telling other people about Jesus. One more time, when it comes to our past, Jesus doesn't change it. Instead, he draws near it. Thank God. Thank God. At our worst. At our worst. Regardless of our past, he approaches us with what? Kindness, kindness. Instead of staying at a distance, 
Instead of waiting until we clean ourselves up, Jesus, he comes near. Man. <clears throat> so that's the first thing. And then secondly, when it comes to our past in Jesus, don't miss this. Jesus doesn't change our past. Instead, he frees us from it. Again, Jesus doesn't get in a DeLorean and a, with a flux capacitor and go back and change our past. Instead, he frees us from it. Looking at our story, Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, they have been forgiven. Again, by law, she deserved death, and yet Jesus gave her life. Religion, religion says you are your past. Jesus says you are forgiven. I mean, her mistakes, her regret, her past, her sin, it is no longer held against her. Instead, it is all canceled. And she is free from all of it. She's free from all of it. Just looking at the story here, again, here's this publicly known sinner. And yet she wants to be as close as she possibly can be to Jesus. I know when I make a mistake, the last person I want to be near is someone that I respect. When I'm, when I'm in my crud, when I'm stuck in the mud, the last person I want to see is someone that I think is really godly. Someone who's really good. And yet here she is. She just wants to get as close as she possibly can to the one who is perfect, even though she is totally imperfect. Why? Because her past, it no longer defines her. Instead, only Jesus does. She's no longer a prostitute. Instead, she is a daughter of the great king. Have you heard? And she's free. She's totally free. And if we don't know God, he offers the same exact thing to all of us. He offers the same to all of us. If we acknowledge our sin, if we confess our past, if we admit our, our mistakes, our brokenness, the darkness inside of us, our, our words that we recklessly used, our actions, our attitude, if we acknowledge those things and we declare our need for Jesus... If we declare that he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. If we declare that we need Jesus, not, not three better steps to a better life. Instead, we need a savior. If we acknowledge our sin and our need for Jesus, God, he promises to remove all of it. Our past, our sin, as far as the east is from the west. Well, pastor, I don't understand that. That's, that's exactly it. It can't be described. It can't be ex explained. He removes it all. There's no debt too great. No past too ugly. Jesus cancels it all. And to be clear, there might be some consequences from our past in our life. Some consequences that may last for, they may last for the rest of our time here on this earth. But instead of being defined by our one mistake, instead of being defined by our divorce, instead of being defined by our affair, our lies, our anger, even our job, trying to be perfect, our body, whatever we want, we are free. Instead of labeling ourselves as a drunk, as a screw-up, we are free. Instead of being defined by our past, we are only defined by Jesus. And our worth, our, our infinite worth only comes from him. One of my, my favorite lines that we sing often here, I, every time I hear it, I can't sing it loud enough. It just says, my sin was great, your love was greater. It's like my sin, like it was great, God. My sin, my past, it's, it's, it's a lot, God. All the things in my private life that no one even knows about, it's so great, God. But your love, it's even greater. One more time. Jesus doesn't change our past. Instead, he frees us from it. And so that's the second thing. And then lastly, when it comes to Jesus and our past, Jesus doesn't change our past. Instead, he uses it. Again, Jesus doesn't change our past he, he, he uses it. If we don't know, Jesus can use our past. He can use our past in so many different ways. I always say that oftentimes God will take our past, he'll take our pain, and he'll make it our place of passion. 
Our past becomes our passion with Jesus. And we end up using our past to connect with others in the same exact boat that we've taken a ride in. He uses our past to connect with others to speak truth and grace and kindness and love into others going through the same exact thing that we've been through. But looking at our story today and just looking at this lady, God uses her past. And honestly, a way I didn't even expect myself as I just sat with this story this week. I mean, hear this, God uses her past to make her love him even more. Uses her past to make her love him even more. I mean, because of her past and because of the freedom and forgiveness that she's received from Jesus, because of the great debt that has been canceled, she loves Jesus even more. It's like the greater our debt, the greater our love for Jesus. The greater our past, the greater our love for Jesus. The worst our past, the worst our crap, worst our sin, the greater our love for him. It's like, Jesus, you've forgiven me of so much. I can't help but love you. You've forgiven me of so much, I can't help but love you. Just to read this verse one more time, Jesus says, I tell you, her sins... And they are many have been forgiven. And then continuing on, Jesus says, basically, as a result, she has shown me much love. I can just hear Jesus telling her, you've loved me so well. You've loved me so extravagantly. You've approached me when this other Pharisee was judging you, and you just poured out your love. Physically, you poured it out for me. Get this, if the only thing that God uses our past for is to make us love him more, that's enough. Again, if the only thing that God uses our past for is to make us love him more, that's enough. We don't go on to have this pretty story. There's not this huge ministry that we start. If God, if the only thing he uses our past for is to make, him, make us love him more, that, that, that is enough. One more time, Jesus doesn't change our past. Instead, he uses it. Okay, so all of this is wonderful, right? And it's truly um, uh, amazing, but maybe you're just wondering, well, what do I do with this? <clears throat> like, what's, what's my response? Like, like, pastor, what do you want me to do with this story? What do you want me to do with these words from God? What do you want me to do with these three truths? And my response is really two different things. First off, if we're here, we're at a, our campus today, if we're here and we've been following Jesus for some time, maybe we consider ourselves a Christian, maybe we grew up in the church, we faithfully attend here and there. Again, if we've been a Christian for some time, and this includes me, today I just want to challenge us to remember. Remember is a command all throughout the Bible. If we're already following Jesus, I just want to challenge us to remember. To remember what? Our past. To remember our, our past. Not someone else's, our past. Our brokenness, our hurts, our shame, our regrets, our past, and all of its ugly glory. But further, remember the time when we were the lady in this story. And Jesus came near us when no one wanted a thing to do with us. Remember the time that Jesus approached us, that, that Jesus let us touch him, that, that Jesus came to us and he freed us, remember that? Remember the time that he forgave us? Remember the time that he used our past for, for something good even though we thought it was impossible? Again, for those of us who are, are already following Jesus, I just want to challenge us to remember our past if you're here today and you're like, Adam, I want to go deep. I want to go deep. I don't want to be a, a shallow Christian. I want to go deep, like past the surface. My challenge, you want, to go, you want to go deep in your relationship with Jesus? Remember your past and never forget God's grace. 
Remember your past and all the ways that God has forgiven you. You want to go deep? You just keep remembering your past and God's love and his grace and his mercy and the time that he pulled you out of that pit and he freed you and there was no one else there. Even your friends and your family, they, they disowned you and he just pulled you out. He pulled you out. I'm always amazed, and this includes myself, how quick we move from being a sinner to the Pharisee in the story. I'm just shocked sometimes by my own self how we move from being ashamed to being the one who's shaming. It happens in a couple of days. Give it a few weeks of following Jesus. All of a sudden we go from shame, feeling ashamed to shaming. I, I never cease to be amazed in my own heart how quick I feel judged. And I, I don't even feel worthy to approach God. I don't feel even worthy to come to this church to being the one who's judging. Who is she and what is he doing here? They're here? Are you kidding have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? We so quickly move from the lady, the sinner, to the Pharisee. I honestly believe one of the greatest temptations as Christians is becoming a Pharisee. In, in the Bible, Jesus isn't harsh on the tax collectors and sinners. He speaks truth to them. He doesn't say, you're great, you're fine and dandy, go and keep sinning. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, I love you, I forgive you, now go and sin no more. But he's not harsh on the tax collectors and sinners. But hear this, he is ruthless with the religious. Ruthless. He's harsh with the Pharisees. I see Jesus with the religious, him pulling out the letter of the law and just saying, whoa. Just whoa. And Jesus isn't harsh with the tax collectors. He's ruthless with the Pharisees. See, I just want to challenge us to remember our past, but one step further, be thankful. Be thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to me when no one else would. Thank you, Jesus, for pulling me out. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me, forgiving me, for using all of my, 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 my crud. I know in my own life, I found that being thankful has a way of clearing the pride and the arrogance and the ego and the criticalness and the judgmental attitude. Just being thankful has a way of cleaning our souls and as a way of just washing it all out. One more time for some of us, the, the challenge today is just to remember and be thankful. And so that's the first challenge. And then for others of us, maybe we're here today and we've never let Jesus do anything with our past. We're here today and we've never let Jesus do anything with our past. The past is the past and we've tried to move on. The past is the past and we've tried to forget it. The past is the past and we've tried to bury it in a place that no one, including ourselves, can find it. The past is the past. Maybe we've just decided that's just who we are. We're just a screw up. Something is someone that other people can use. Our mistake, it's who we are. Or maybe we're here and just as we, as we started, maybe the past is the past and we so badly wish we had a DeLorean with a flux capacitor because we only wish we could change it. We only wish we could take our words back, our foolishness back, that one night back, that decision back, that regret back. And yet again, we, we, that's not possible. But thankfully, even better, there's Jesus Jesus. And so if that's you, if your past is your past and you've never let Jesus in it, today I just want to challenge you to bring your past to Jesus. And all of its ugliness, just bring it to him. Pull it out of hiding. Go dig it back up if you need to and bring your past to him. Just allow him to come close, to draw near it. Allow him to free you from it. Bring it to him and ask for forgiveness and he will do so. Allow him to, to use it just just bring your past to, 
to him and across our campuses right now, if that's us, if we're just here and it's like, I want to know that I'm forgiven and I want Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my past. I want to be just freed from it. I want God to use it. If if that's you right now, we're going to, we're going to pray just across campuses. We'd encourage you just to close your eyes and bow your heads, everybody. But if you're here today and you just know that that's you and you just want Jesus in your life, you've never made the decision, or maybe you need to recommit yourself to him. If that's you just right now, I just want to challenge you to raise your hand. If you're just like, that's me. I want Jesus to free me from my past. I want Jesus to forgive me of my past. I want Jesus in my life because my life's not working without him. If that's you, again, just raise your hand. And uh, just, just as we pray here, just invite him into your life. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we love you so much. We love you so much. And for those of us who are here and we're already Christians, we're already following you, Lord, would you help us to remember our past if we've forgotten it? More than remembering our, our past, would we remember your grace, your love, your mercy, your hand that pulled us out, that freed us, that forgave us. God, help us to never remember, never forget, but always to remember and to be thankful. For those of us who are here and we just want you in our lives, we've never had a relationship with you or we've walked away and we want to come back home, God, we just invite you in. Lord, we, we, we ask that you'd come into our lives. We ask that you would enter into our past, into, into our lives, into every part of who we are, that you just enter, that you'd make yourself at home. God, and we confess our past to you right now. We confess our mistakes, our regrets. We confess it all to you. We acknowledge our sin, and we ask that you remove it from us. As far as the east is from the west, God, would you remove it from us? Lord, would you help us to realize that we are now defined by you, not our past? Would you help us to realize that our worth comes from you, not our job, not our relationships, or anything else? Would you help us to realize this is only the first step, Lord, to a life spent with you? Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things and all God's people said, amen.